Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists, and ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia LaBracaro, and this episode's guest is Glass Animals. Glass Animals are internationally loved for their genreless, often cheeky songs. They've never hesitated to work against the grain. They went weird and murky on their first album, Zaba, told anecdotes about homemade characters on how to be a human being. But Dave, the band's frontman, never told his own stories out of insecurity. Until now. Their third album, Dreamland, weaves through stories of a childhood in rural Texas, later years in Oxford and London, and a range of experiences from questions of masculinity to late-night hookups. Dave joins me now from his home studio in London. So I've, of course, been listening to to Dreamland a lot over the last few days. It hit me like a ton of bricks, I have to say. Like, I think the first round of listening, I had to, like, give myself an hour or two just to, like, process everything and sort of chew on it. Because it's, I mean, it's an amazing album and it is obviously a very, very raw album for you. It's definitely a bit raw. Yeah, it's just really, it's really personal. Um, but that was, I guess that was the idea, was to try something try something personal and see what happened yeah because i remember when i first interviewed you i think we had like very briefly talked about you know you very secretly inserting yourself into your music at, at least at the time because that was back when how to be a human being was coming out and now it's i mean quite literally you have that line in the first song um it's 2020 so it's time to change that so you go make an album and call it dreamline like you've just gone from let me just hide behind some stories about other people to literally this is what i'm doing and here's the here's the playbook right here yeah i can't tell if i regret it or not yet i don't think so i'm just i'm quite a secretive person so it's a bit of a strange one and i'm still getting used to the fact that everyone's gonna hear this stuff but it doesn't really matter. My mum's heard it and she thinks it's okay. So There you go. Well, I don't know if this is because I'm I'm a far less secretive person. I'm the sort of person that just like word vomits everything about myself to strangers. But I I mean, I really love it and I really appreciate the the vulnerability. And I think I mean, as someone who you know, or just as as a human being myself who's obviously gone through just the emotions of everything from mental health to moving between the US and the UK and and like you did i i think it's really nice to hear someone else's story it's it's very cliche to say it but people feel less alone when they hear these things so i i hope that gives you some form of comfort as as you oh, kind of Oh it's a lot of comfort. Good. 
That's actually really, that's really comforting to hear. I don't because sometimes I don't know. I spend a lot of time thinking of it's really selfish <laughs> to have written an album that's quite personal, and I don't know why. I shouldn't really. Yeah, like most of the albums that we love so much are incredibly personal, and ironically it's almost selfless to write about yourself because yes in the moment you're indulging your feelings which is necessary and important but by giving it to someone else like I I know there have been songs that you know have sat with me when I was going through hell and you know because someone was willing to share that story so openly I was you know I was able to keep moving forward so I was thinking about something that you said about how on how to be a human being, you were very willing to ask other people the invasive questions and the, you know, really digging to understand people so you could make this album. Um, so it's interesting how that can be really easy and yet giving yourself away and kind of asking yourself these questions can be really terrifying. Oh, yeah, it's quite ter- I mean, I just- I felt a bit unfair after the last record, not really um, asking myself those questions. So I just started doing it. Also, I was in a bit of a weird space. Like, Joe was recovering from his accident, and that was a bit weird. And I was in the hospital a lot with him, and that's pretty weird. I don't know, just a lot of weird stuff was happening. You kind of, uh, I don't know, you end up going deep into your head in weird places. You never thought you'd go. And it's interesting because this album sort of shapes itself as both an escape and a facing of reality at the same time, which I'm sure was sort of the headspace that you're in. Cause like, again, you go through a lot of these questions, but you also need your out sometimes. Yeah, for sure. I, what, what do you mean you're out sometimes? Like an out as in like, just mentally, like, I mean, again, like the stress of going through everything with, with Joe, I'm sure like sometimes you just needed like a break. Like I know that you've said that you daydream a lot. Yeah. I'm quite a heavy daydreamer. I can't pay attention to anything for more than like five seconds and I get distracted. It's really bad. Oh, I'm the same, which is ironic because as someone in music who listens to a lot of albums, I have this weird like dichotomy of like wanting to go into a deep dive, but having the attention span of a goldfish. So it's, I I really understand that feeling. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's, I think that's just how things are these days everyone's on tiktok and they have about 15 second attention span because you can just swipe and like click everything's one click away one like or push so uh, yeah everyone's attention including my own is just dissolving oh yeah and do not get me started on tiktok because uh, like the mm, 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 i'm worried for gen z um so there's there's this thing called e-boys on tiktok and they traumatize me to no end so that we're not going to go all the way on in a tiktok tangent though this is important they traumatize you they do because they're just so like empty it's just like these boys with like names like krevin and like zach with two k's and my weird, middle name like... is krevin no no it's not <laughs> i was like oh my god i'm an asshole uh <laughs> You know, we should get back on topic as we... Oh, yeah, I always get off topic. It's okay. That's what my job is. My job is to steer us back, even though I also go on a lot of tangents. So actually, going back to what we were saying before about um, the album being this kind of mix of both, like, daydreaming and facing reality, sonically, especially on, like, the first track, it does feel very daydreamy and, like, glossy and nostalgic. And yet, if you dig deeper and you listen to the lyrics, that's when it gets a little more raw and honest yeah i i guess so yeah well not every song for sure but yeah i get the production is like 
I don't know. It's meant to kind of all the chords that I used. I try like every song kind of references this one chord, and those chords are like they're kind of presented in Dreamland. The two main chords, like these. I don't know. I don't really know the. I'm not a proper musician, so I just call them like the question questiony chords that sound like they're asking a question. They sound like really. I don't know. They sound open. They sound open, like they're leading you somewhere, and they're like they're asking a question. And those mm-hmm. chords like pop up in every song, even if it's just like a tiny second. Like in there's that track "Space Ghost," which is like kind of quite heavy, but there's that tiny, this tiny little breakdown for like two bars that has a bit of guitar in it, um, and those that guitar does the same questions. Um, so I use that a lot. And then I guess production-wise, I guess, yeah, it's just doing... For me, it, those sounds are all quite nostalgic and quite... I don't know, that plays... Because all the lyrics are quite nostalgic about memories and reflection. And I, oh, I guess totally. I was trying to dig out the sounds that do that for me, which is all, it's all the stuff I grew up with, really. Yeah, and I think one thing that you've always been good at as an artist is really creating worlds out of sound, which is something that I really appreciate because I am very... Um, I guess hypersensitive to that, like music as almost an environment. And I think that, I mean, you definitely get that on this album, the same as you did on How to Be a Human Being and on Zaba. Oh, that's really good. That's always the goal is to create something like cohesive and hopefully mm-hmm. like tells the story a bit in the sounds, you know, like if even if the lyrics weren't there, you'd still kind of get the idea. Oh, it does. I mean, like when I think of Dreamland and I know that uh, Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys were a a big inspiration for that song. If we go into talking about pet sounds, we're going to use up all of the interview time because I am also a like mega fan of of that album. The only question I will ask actually is what is your favorite song on pet sounds? It's hard to choose. I was thinking someone asked me to do a cover of a song on pet sounds the other day and I just basically ended up I sat down and I tried like a couple of different songs. I just realized there's no way I can do any of them justice. Um, and I backed out. <laughs> and yeah, I didn't think, I just didn't think I'd do good enough, basically. They're, they're perfect songs. And it's so hard to choose one. I couldn't choose one for that cover. But like, God Only Knows is basically a perfect song. It is. The Beatles called it a perfect song when they were having their rivalry. It kind of makes you never. It's one of those songs that makes you never want to write a song again. <laughs> yes, this is true. Um, but then you try anyway. And that beat, he, Brian Wilson used those chords a lot. It was like kind of questioning. That's where I nicked it from, really. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. It was a very questioning album. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of questions in it, especially in that first song, Dreamland. Like every line is really a question, and those questions are all sort of answered as the out. Al- not answered, but they're like. Ex- Lord in mm-hmm. greater depth as the album goes on in each different song each song kind of relates back to a a line in that first the first song's like the table of contents although i noticed definitely not in chronological order because i tried to do the typical like decipher that bit and and it's not like you always have to throw a wrench in there somewhere like i remember when you had the characters for how to be a human being you're like i am not telling you who any of these people are you can tell from some of the videos but that's all you're getting like, yeah, it's not fa- it's not fair otherwise. I guess you like being cryptic. Yeah, everyone everyone keeps asking me which song is which line in the um in the first song, and like I don't know, I just I don't want to say that stuff. I think everyone can just work it out. 
That's fair. And I mean, like, as much as you're you're being open on this album, I think we're allowed to give you some leeway, at least on that, you know? Yeah, I might get I might get more comfortable with like saying what means what and stuff. But there's a lot of detail in there. And I also want to protect people. You know, I, I feel weird writing about people who are close to me because I feel like I might hurt them mm. if I'm too open. So I left things a little bit ambiguous for a reason. Just okay. it leaves people's identities out of it a little bit. Okay. See, that's fair. Like, I know when I, I write music, if it's something about myself and myself only, I will tell everyone, like, anything and everything about it. But as soon as another person's involved in the story, I'm a lot more cryptic as well. Because it is, like, you don't, you feel like you don't have that permission to, you know, talk about them. Especially if it's in a negative light as well. You don't want to drag them into that. It feels weird. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, some of that stuff, like, people have buried that stuff and have gotten over it and don't really, I don't know. They don't want to open it up again. Yeah, it's not your job to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say which songs, but some of the songs are, like, like those the people in that, those songs are about kind of rebuilt themselves and started a new life and won't, um, probably wouldn't be a good thing to dredge it all up again. Yeah, and that it's absolutely fair and very like respectful that you're doing that. So they're they're stories worth telling, but they're you can keep them in their time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So another thing actually about the the first track, um, so you've been doing all of these covers and when I listen to Dreamland, it really makes me think of Young and Beautiful by Lana Del Rey, because it has that very similar, like nostalgic longing energy. Oh, I kind of see what you mean. Yeah, there's something in the vocal line as well that's a bit like, yeah, I think, yeah, I see it. I don't know what it is. It's like there's an inflection in the vocal line, definitely. Yeah, I was wondering if maybe that was an intentional thing or if it just so happens to be. I'm guessing that it's the latter. Yeah, I think it just happened. It definitely just happened. But I love, I've obviously loved that song and listened to it a lot. So I'm sure oh, yeah. subconsciously it sort of crept in. That's fair. I mean, I I was super into The Great Gatsby when I was in high school, and I remember just falling in love with that song and just the feeling that it created. So it was nice to almost get a, a revisit of that feeling with this opening track. It really is a great way to set the tone for where the album is going. I think it's such a beautiful song, the, uh, Young and Beautiful. It's just, ugh. It's another one of those songs that makes you never want to write a song again because it's good. It's so good. <laughs> And it has such a, like, a raw vulnerability to it as well. You know, it's that same sort of question of, like, am I as I am enough? Which is something that you talk about a lot on this album as well. What do you mean, as am I as I am enough? Yeah, because, like, she's asking, will you still love me when I'm no longer young and beautiful? It's like when all the glitz and the sort of outer beauty things disappear, am I still enough? Like, it's this sort of fear of no longer belonging and you talk about that on songs like waterfalls coming out of your mouth and tokyo drifting like these sort of either overcompensation or alter egos that you're putting forward definitely yeah but i i yeah everyone kind of does that especially waterfalls i guess puts it in like the context of a of a first date where you like or like the first the first like couple months of a relationship where you send like a representative of you rather than yourself it's not you it's i not like that you that's got it's and you just end up saying things like what the fuck am i saying this is just 
kind of not it's just bollocks <laughs> you just end yep. up saying stupid things everyone yeah but the other person's doing it too and you don't really know why and it's because you don't think you yeah it's exactly that you don't think you as you are is is interesting enough and good enough so what was the takeaway for you exploring those themes on this album the takeaway i don't know yeah. i guess i explored those themes a lot but didn't really come out with many answers <laughs> the only thing i I guess I came out with was that it's okay to be confused about those things. It's okay not to have the answers and quite often out of that confusion and not having the answer comes the most exciting and most important best things in your life. It's There's so much on this album that is like, here's all this shit that happened, but... I'm able to accept it for what it is and I'm able to learn and grow from it. It's it's very much an album that seems to be at peace with itself or at least it is trying to be. I think so. I don't know. I guess I, guess I haven't really thought about like a me- like a conclusion. I don't know if there is a conclusion. Or maybe there is one in there. I just haven't, <laughs> haven't seen it. See, I don't think there is, but I think that's kind of a good thing. It's... It's like as much without trying to get like overly metaphysical about it and getting all like, you know, I'm not thinking of the right word, but it's it's kind of just a metaphor for what life is. You know, like we're never going to have all of our stuff figured out. We just continue to be aware of who we are and what our coping mechanisms are and how we can do better for ourselves in the future. Yeah, I guess that's it. I don't know. It's definitely meant to just life is a very strange and confusing thing but I I guess it's just about realizing that it's good to embrace that side of it all the confusing ups and downs and just appreciate that that's what makes you who you are that's what makes you interesting that's the, the anxieties that you have are good and they're part of your personality and that's kind of what the last song is I don't know the last song is meant to take you take you to like it's basically like three songs in one helium that song helium. yes and it's kind of in like reverse and fragmented and that's yeah that's life there's just this fucking weird path of stuff that happens and you have to keep putting it back together again even though it keeps falling into itself and falling apart um and then you keep kind of rebuilding on top of that collapsed foundation See, talking about exactly what you just said, it makes me think of Melon and the Coconut, because that's a song that's very much like, I thought I was going to have this life with this person, like white picket fence, I'm going to be, what's that, a stay-at-home G.I. Joe, and like all these things, and then it's it's one of those transition moments in life where you realize that maybe a relationship isn't working, and you need to be honest with how things actually need to be for yourself. Yeah, that one's, <laughs> I like that one. I guess that one, like, is meant to is meant to have the mel and the coconut is two very uh what the word is like anonymous cat because i've been on both sides of that mm-hmm. of that coin i've been the melon and i've been the coconut um and i put it in the middle of the album for that reason because i don't know it's like half is said by the melon half of the song is said by the coconut and so I, I don't know something felt right about putting it right in the middle because of that that like dichotomy of it all I kind of like it. It's almost like there's like a changeover moment, even though it's not necessarily switching for the rest of the album. It's just in that moment. It's again, it's showing how complicated and weird we are as human beings and how we go through, again, both sides of things. 
Yeah, for sure. I think, actually, before we sort of wrap up all of these, I guess, questions of self, I found it really interesting that despite this being your most, um, just like your most open album, like it's the first one that's really, really, really directly about yourself. And yet it's also the first album that you have a collaboration on with Denzel Curry. Why now of all times? Well, I that was kind of never really intended to be on the album, but then when it got to choosing a track list, it just sort of ended up making sense and fitting in there. It also made sense because he was similar age, came from a similar place, mm-hmm. and he took that song to a level that I can't. Um, and that song, I guess, to get the full message across, it needed someone like him who could just take it to like the. F- <laughs> I can't really pull that off. I can't really manifest the like like bravado thing i'm just like a little blonde boy with a quiff okay <laughs> i and to like really say what i I wanted to say i think it needed someone like him to say it yeah I can't, it, my voice doesn't go to that level <laughs> i just can't gotcha. yeah so it made it made sense just to like complete the song and make this make that make it hit exactly like it shouldn't say exactly what it should have said but also he just like we clicked and we knew about a lot of the same stuff, a lot of the same references, and he could hit all those references in the in the his lyrics that need to be hit. He's like talked about the Fast and the Furious, and like yeah, we just grew up in the same era, um, yeah. and knew a lot of the same things. We both play this game called Ninja, which is like a karate-based game. Of course. Yeah, it's really good. it's a good game. So we play that a lot. Yeah, I think I missed that one. So I, if I'm, are you like? about what 31 ish or something yeah 39 okay so i'm i'm 23 so i'm a, like a couple years behind in terms of that but like there were definitely some references i picked up on obviously dunkaroos which are like the cocaine for children um oh, yeah i love dunkaroos have you my mom them before yes i have they're the best of course i know what dunkaroos are also there's a guitar that you use in a few songs that reminds me of the guitar from the spongebob theme it's like a certain effect that you've <laughs> yeah. got on. And I was like, I don't know if you did that on purpose, but I'm really glad it's in there because it's kind of perfect. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah, definitely in like helium. So yeah, that like high pitched with like a bit of like vibrato tremolo stuff on it. Like the beer, deer, 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 deer. I just love that sound. I don't know. Maybe it's because I didn't even make that connection, but I probably like that sound because of the SpongeBob theme tune. I was yeah. addicted to SpongeBob. I still They all SpongeBob. were. I haven't watched it in years and I've kind of really feel like I need to have like a SpongeBob revisit moment. Also, um, hold on, I'm trying to figure out where I put this, but when I was reading through Denzel's bit I'm fully blanking on the line it was something about like trout or fish and I happened to google it just out of curiosity to see if it was a reference to something and although it wasn't I found the best thing ever on Amazon which I am going to send in the chat box right now what is it you'll see like it's verbatim the line and it's just a sparkly neon fish what how do I how do I go look at it I can't just google the name of it Man. <laughs> ah, I should get him one of these. I think you should. It kind of works because it also goes with like the the colors of the album, and then has like all the right like references as well with like the the little rhinestones and the. You would find this so funny. I felt like he would. I saw that. I was like, yeah, no, I need to send this to them. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. There you go. 
I'm I'm gonna be looking for like the next live session where there's just a little fish dangling from his wrist. Only thirteen bucks. I can. I know. I can, yeah, I can. I can just about afford one of those. <sighs> Let's do it. We should all get them. Oh my god! Everyone I know. Tell you what, I'll get one, and next time I come to one of your shows, I'll wear it. Like I'll just like I'll put it on a necklace, and you. I mean, it'll probably be a big crowd, so you won't be aware of it. But I'll just be like, I'll just feel know it. it's spirit. I'll have one around they're... my neck, and they'll they'll be like I don't know. It'll be like when the Power Rangers put their rings together. Oh god. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It'd be a magical moment. See, now I'm remembering that. Like, I didn't watch Power Rangers much, but it was one of those where, like, when I was a kid and I was still waking up at six in the morning for God knows what reason, and I'd turn on the TV, Power Rangers was just, like, one of the shows that were like, what else can we put on at 7 a.m.? Power Rangers, here, just put that. <laughs> so It's another classic. I kind of, I just forgot it, though. It's, what, it's like that age range where I was, I was, like, a little bit too young to actually remember it. yeah. Oh, I know. Like, people tell me about certain things and I'll, like, vaguely remember them. Like, like the Velveteen Rabbit or, like, stuff like that. Like, that's from when I was really little. So people bring it up now and I'll be like, oh, my God, yeah. But I don't have vivid memories. No, I don't remember how that story goes. I remember have. I think I remember, like, reading it. Everyone know. Everyone's heard of the Velveteen Rabbit and, like, yeah. Good Night Moon. Did you know that oh one? Oh, my God. Good Night Moon was one of my favorites when I was little. Yeah. There's that one, and there's like the hungry caterpillar. Yes. And all this stuff. I don't actually remember what happens in the hungry caterpillar or good night moon or anything, but you just. Yeah, do I? I'm so glad we're staying on topic. We're both doing a really good job at this. I've never been good at that. <laughs> Again, that makes two of us. So, like, do not feel bad because this is just as much my fault as it is yours. This is changing up a bit, but getting back on topic. So you grew up a lot in Texas. And if I'm not mistaken, you grew up in College Station of all places. Yeah. How do you know that? Google. Um, that is well, good Google skills. Thank you. So first off, my brother actually goes to Texas A&M. So I've been to College Station a handful of times. For, Did you for like those, it? No. Why not? Because... Because I'm a 23-year-old, like, arty nutcase. Like, what the hell am I going to do in College Station? I don't know. What do you... I don't know what you do there. I was quite young when I was there. Yeah. So I just did, like, the kid things. I would, like, run around in the woods, and it's good for that. It's a lot of trees and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Also, how in the hell did you end up in College Station of all places? Like, Texas, fine, but, like, College Station specifically. Uh, my my dad uh, was in science, and he worked with some animals. That was it. And they have they have a lot of animals in College State. It's an agricultural university, I guess, isn't it? So there's, like, loads of animals. And because they have loads of, like, they do, yeah, animal testing. I know it's bad, <gasps> but there's lots of that stuff in, <laughs> um, that happens around the world. Um, a lot of it happens in College Station. I remember we got taken on a school field trip to like the place where they killed the cows. Like the, the abattoir? Yeah, this is where Ugh. the gun that we used to shoot the cows in the head. This is the cow that we're going to shoot in the head next. This is where the blood flows out into the drain. And this is where we hang them up afterwards to drain. Cool. <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> it was, but when you're like seven, you don't really understand. You don't know. They also took us to see the electric chair. Oh no, of course. Oh it was god. So dark. So 
kind of I I don't want to say on that note, but I guess on the note of of growing up in in like middle of nowhere Texas. Like I know that this album talks a lot about gender roles and toxic masculinity specifically on Tangerine, Space Ghost, Domestic Bliss to some degree. Um, So it must have been really weird growing up in, again, like very rural Texas with these sort of like very masculine gender roles being at the forefront. Definitely. It was very like if you were a born female, you wore a dress and it was pink. And if you were born a male, you wore Wrangler jeans and a flannel shirt and you like were on the football team and played with guns and the women did cook I don't know I just every everyone around like every family all my friends parents were like that it's pretty yeah it's pretty ingrained and as you grow up you know when you're a kid you don't doubt any of that stuff because you don't know any better and then as you get a bit older, you know, when I moved to England, I guess I started realizing that doesn't ha- that's not how you have to be as a, as a male or boy. You don't, you know, you have options. Um, and you start to realize how toxic that all is. It's pretty awful. And yeah. I know a lot of people who, yeah, maybe don't even know how much has affected them. But it certainly has. And it still, it still affects Every, I know a lot of people who are like very alpha and it really it's it's painful to see and it causes a lot of problems. Yeah. I mean, again, I feel like you see that on Tangerine and Space Ghost because I mean, this this is almost the reverse, but it's like when you're a kid, yes, you see the gender roles, but you're not as like actively thinking about them until someone comes to reinforce them. Whereas as you get older, you know, they start to become stronger, like. The, the character in Tangerine gave me the sense of, like, someone who kind of grew into this, like, male, like, I need to be, like, a moneymaker and tough guy. And then Space Ghost is kind of, like, I guess it feels like someone who had, like, very pent-up emotions that they felt like they couldn't express in the environment that they were in. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of uh, at the end of, the first, at, of Dreamland, the first song, that's what it says. It's, like, time to change the definition of what it is to be a man or a male and I think there are a lot of amazing people doing that a lot of new like so many people do that like Troy Savan and Kevin Abstract and uh, yes. yeah so many and they're doing amazing amazing things I just like and it's beautiful to see and really eye-opening um because really yeah those those definitions need to be thrown out the window to be honest mm. it's really it's really toxic yeah, I've been really happy seeing both, like, the, I guess, the straight male community be, like, we need to get rid of these labels, like, when I think of someone like Sam Fender or Idols, for example, in the UK, but then on the same token, like you mentioned, someone like Kevin Abstract and the rest of Brockhampton, I remember talking to my brother and some of his friends once when we were in Austin for a festival, and they were, like, geeking out about, I think it was the relationship between Bareface and one of the other members. And I was seeing these, like, 19-year-old boys excited to see a loving queer relationship. And that gave me a lot of hope, you know? 
yeah, it's amazing that those relationships are like, like in Texas, they just, I remember just in passing, you'd hear your friend's dad say something like really fucking homophobic. Mm-hmm. And it would, you just don't understand when you're a kid, you don't know. So you just kind of grow up thinking it's not right. But of course it's right. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And the sad thing is that it affects, I mean, like the way that it affects you, not only can people like internalize homophobia and be outwardly homophobic, but it, I mean, obviously impacts the queer community in horrifying ways that, you know, still just break my heart especially living in the south and seeing glimpses of it but oh so much yeah yeah it affected me and I'm not like incredibly you know like I I was never good at the male things in life (laughs) (laughs) um but I can't imagine like my parents are relatively liberal and Mm. I can't imagine what it's what it's like to have parents and direct like a lot of my family is very liberal and I can't imagine what it would be like to have parents who weren't and I feel quite lucky in that way yeah no I I absolutely feel the same because like even though like I mean I largely identify as straight but I'm also open to the fact that like sexuality can be a fluid thing that changes over time or that we learn new parts of ourselves and I think that the more open the world is, the more that everybody is allowed to ask those questions within themselves. And I think that's really important and really healthy. So it always makes me happy seeing people address toxic masculinity in, you know, in music and in art. Oh, good. Well, I hope I got on it a little bit. (laughs) You, you did. You're, again, I think you are definitely someone that is hard on yourself. Um, I can tell, but like genuinely i i've always 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 been so just in awe of the depth of humanity that you're able to get in your music so i really hope that you take some of that in and um can be a little bit kinder to yourself thanks i don't know i don't know what to say i just go all red when people say things like that it's okay just gradually learn to take it in and say thank you or see it in yourself i'm not expecting you to be like oh thank you so much it's it's fine um the last thing i want to touch on that i thought was really interesting specifically about space ghost there's a a set of lines in it that i'm going to read out which are gotta be all that cocoa playing too much of that gta playing too much of that dr dre doom quake where'd you get that gun from a and I mean, it reminds me of that time when we were kids where, like, people were like, video games are the reasons that shootings happen and violence and rap music and uh And in addition to, obviously, like, you know, just remembering that era of that message being very prevalent, there's also a race side to it. Like, it almost feels like a comment on how we've just taken such a horrible negative connotation to things we associate with black culture. I I think there's definitely an element of that. Um, that is what people blamed back in that in that era. They blamed, yeah, rap music, didn't yeah. they? Um, but yeah, it goes back. It's kind of, I think a lot of people might blame certain things on. on have you seen Thirteenth the film? Yes. Oh my god, it was like that. It just floored me. A lot of that is blamed on certain specific cultures but really the culture that this is trying to attack and is trying to i don't know 
move the blame that people have onto just fucking guns are ter- terrible. Yep. Um, they're so bad. That's what happened in this song. And it's, it's all the people who support that. I, th- I think guns are the worst thing in the world. Like one of the worst things in the world. They're just terrible. Oh, I'd agree. And this song is kind of about that. So that's someone I knew who basically tried to do a school shooting but got caught and it's basically wondering why it's kind of wondering you hear it and you wonder if all those things that people said are correct because that's exactly what we were doing but it's not correct because I was doing exactly the same things as that person we were doing it all together Mm -hmm. we were listening to the same records we're doing the same cheeky things um but ultimately he stayed in a place where guns are easy to get I think that's probably one of the main differences and it's just asking asking myself a lot of questions why that might have happened why someone who was so lovely might have changed so much yeah well I think this is a good spot to I guess come full circle on on the whole album it's just it's a matter of being willing to be curious about yourself and kind of facing yourself and I mean, it's really incredible that you finally found a found what's the word I'm looking for. Found yourself able to do this on this record. So I'm glad you did. Um, and kudos to you for sharing it with everyone because it's it's great. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad you like it. I really, really do a lot. I was listening to Tokyo Drifting in Deja Vu this morning while I was working out and just like having a little boogie. Even even with all the important questions, there's they're bops as as the kids say, you know. Well that's they, good. They're, on the surface they're just they're meant to be, you know, yeah, listenable. Yeah. If I may very quickly go back to the beach buzz, um so my favorite song, and I was not, I didn't didn't end up mentioning it before, but my favorite song on the album is Sloop John B. And it's the song that I've talked about this song in several other interviews. So I'm sure some people are probably like, oh my God, shut up. But what I love about that song is that it's so like sugary sweet on the surface, but the message under it is really dark. And I'm very fascinated by that kind of juxtaposition. And I mean, your album does a lot of that. So I thought it was a good one to bring up. I love that juxtaposition. That's not my favorite thing. I guess I, I kind of nicked it from that, that record, of course, but also a lot of old Motown records have that. They're like freaking dance floor stompers, some of those Northern Soul records, but the lyrics are really sad. And I don't, I don't think you can ever have a, like real sadness without the, the ups yeah. as well, and- without the kind of funny bits and cheeky bits. It's like watching a movie that's just sad the whole time. It's quite just... It almost loses its power. Yeah. And I think a lot of the most powerful and striking, yeah, striking literature and films are the ones that get the balance right. Like yeah. everything is illuminated. That book is incredible. It's so funny, but then it hits, like it properly just flips it and hits you in the heart. And I think it has so much more weight because of that. Yep. And, and that's what this album does, too. Because at the end of the day, that's just what it is to be human. We're dealing with all the happy and all the sad at the same time. And we just have to navigate through it. Yeah, that is that is life. If you're just... I mean, I hope no one's just sad the whole time. Um, 
because that would just yeah that would be the worst yeah. i guess this album's meant to have all the f- all the facets it's life in technicolor as it is or life in kodachrome i should say kodachrome there you go <laughs> hey i pay attention yeah exactly <laughs> wicked you did pay attention hey if anyone knew what that was Dreamland is out now and can be heard wherever you normally get your music. This podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by myself, Sophia Lopercaro, and the artwork is by Meg Welford.